Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. If I were before him on his throne, how would, I, how would my worship be? When I hear the word worship, I think of a lifestyle, meeting him in the morning, being thankful. I think of spending time in his word. I'll journal, journal and write things down. And um, God has brought so much to my life in those moments. I feel like we worship because we're created to worship, whether it's being a mom or if you're a teacher, wherever you're at, just whatever we're called to do in that moment, just doing it to glorify Him. When we are worshiping Him, of course, it is, it is all about Him. I think it is a, definitely something that we are on the receiving end of. It's like God um, gave us something when we worship Him, we're giving Him a part of ourselves, but in, in turn, He's really feeding into us. He's pouring into us. Those transitional times, the, that pivotal, pivotal point of worship would be when I worshiped when I didn't feel like it, or when I wasn't feeling well, or when I was really struggling with something. Um, we all come in carrying things sometimes, and, and, and our heart is heavy, and we, we don't know what to do, and, we don't really feel like engaging him, but um, I will tell you that in the worst times in my life, when I was either going through illness or um, just some personal trials, my worship with him was completely blessed in that time. Well, this morning we're going to wrap up our two-part series on the subject of worship, and worship is so much more than just what we do uh, for the first part of a service on a Sunday morning. And last week we talked about why we worship and why it is so important in our lives. And uh, today we're going to look at another aspect of this idea of worship. And Pastor John, thanks for, thanks for doing this. I know you're pulling double duty, both, uh, both with the worship team here and then part of the preaching team here. And so this has been fun. And I've got to tell you, and I, I want to say this just publicly, I'm so thankful that God has brought your family to be a part of our Calvary family. And you heard part of that story last week. And uh, you see Pastor John on Sunday mornings for uh, the worship portion of our service. But uh, I see him uh, all throughout the week and the way that he's leading our worship teams and uh, the vision that God has put in his heart for some exciting things for us ahead. And so just so glad that you and your family are here. Glad and uh, it's been a good three months. Let's, uh, let's make it a long, long run. So yes. it's a good thing. I can tell you this, though. The greatest contribution that Pastor John Ketchum has made to our team up to this point. Well, I got a text from him one day, and he introduced me to something that I had not seen before. It is called the Bitmoji. Is anybody familiar with a Bitmoji? Do you know what this is? Here, we'll show you a, we'll show you a picture. That's, that's a Bitmoji of me, okay? So it's, it's like a little cartoon kind of character. You design it to look like you, and then you can use it in a text message and send that instead of just like the words. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of super cool. He sent me one, he was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I really liked it for a couple of reasons. One, it's kind of a fun, easy way to communicate. Two, there's some people on our staff who just hate them, which is all the more reason to want to send them to them, right? So that's one, here's, here's one, I'll send just hello, you know, I'll do that. And I find it's a blessing if you send it. In fact, this one actually is a blessing. You just send that, it says, bless you. And if people don't like it, you just let them know, sorry, but the struggle 
is real. And uh, you just can send those things. And it's just, it's just kind of fun because it looks like you. But so thank you. I don't know. Was this a West Coast thing? Did you bring that with you? I don't know. Yeah. A friend of mine introduced me to it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just so fun. You know, I love. That's life change right there. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. You know, I love when you text someone and they don't respond for hours. It's like the worst thing. It's like, I know you read that. So I send this. My wife loves that one. And then if you want to uh, encourage someone, yeah, you got this. And then if you ever want to know what I look like on Mondays on my day off, right there. Yeah. And some it. of our staff have picked it up. Um, Pastor Keith wasn't so sure about it at first, but here's one that he sent. And uh, <laughs> sorry about that. And, uh, and then if you want to, if you want to pray through your text messages, this is the very best way to end a prayer with Pastor Bill saying amen right here. And uh, so it's just kind of a fun way to communicate. Here's the deal. It's a fad. It's trendy. It's extremely cheesy. Thank you. Um, and uh, it's going to fade. It's how we communicate. Worship is how we communicate with God. It's not trendy. It's not a fad. And the power of it is not going to fade in your lives. That's why we talk about it today. It is such a powerful way for us to communicate with God. So last week we talked about why we worship. Today we're gonna to talk about how we worship. Maybe even break it down a little bit more practical in our lives and some different spheres of our lives, how we worship God. Today I wanna to talk about three ways in which we worship. Three ways in which we worship. This is how we worship. And the first thing we wanna talk about today is that we worship biblically. Number one, we worship biblically. And this is important for us to look at and recognize. We don't just make this up or we don't just do it out of emotion. And if you're new to Calvary, it's probably important for us to reference that everything we do is based on this book on the word of God. It is, we believe, our standard. It is our objective standard for the way that we think, our faith, and for our practice, the way that we live. And it's a powerful thing in a world and in a culture that is constantly changing I'm really glad that we have a foundation that we can build our lives on that never changes. True? And it's good for us to know that. That's also true in our worship. You know, our worship is not based just on experience. It's not based just on emotion. It's not just about tradition. When we worship, we worship in ways that are biblical. And so let's look at some of them today. Now, these aren't the only ways in which you can worship that are biblical, but these are some of the most common biblical expressions of worship that you may see if you, you worship here with us on a, on a Sunday morning. One of those things is that we stand. We typically stand in times of worship. The scripture speaks to this. Psalm 119, 120 says, My flesh trembles in fear of you. I stand in awe of your laws. And both figuratively and, and, and physically, all throughout scripture, there are these times when it speaks about the importance of us standing in God's presence because it communicates something powerful. Yeah. yeah, like we talked about last week, you know, worship is our response to who he is, showing him honor, showing reverence and adoration towards him. You know, if you think about when you go to a sports game, pretty much any game, we'll stand and, you know, and sing the Star Spangled Banner to show honor and respect to our country. That's what standing during corporate worship is, is showing honor towards him. And standing's not the only posture for worship. I mean, Scripture speaks at times of how we may kneel. In fact, last week, Psalm 95 said we bow down in his presence. Scripture even speaks as, as far as to say that there's times when we kneel and there's times when we dance. There's many postures. But probably the most common one, and sometimes people go, well, why do we stand when we worship? This represents it scripturally in, in honor of God's 
presence in our lives. Another aspect of worship, a biblical expression of worship throughout scripture is that we play instruments. We play instruments, that that instrumentation is a part of that worship experience. Psalm 33, verses two and three say, praise the Lord with the harp, make music to him on the 10-stringed lyre, sing to him a new song, play skillfully and shout for joy. And so the instrumentation that comes with worship is an important part of that worship experience. Yeah, you know, the band up here, there's just as much as worship leaders as I am or Aaron is. You know, they're worshiping with their instrument and through their instrument. And, and thankful for a tremendous group of people, not only in this room, but in the chapel on Sunday mornings, even in, in the bridge with our junior high students, um, that are skillfully playing their instruments with worship. Speaking of instruments, most of you have one, and you might not even realize it. Here's a third biblical expression of worship, is that we clap. We clap. Let's see your clappers, everybody. You got them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even do anything. They're clapping for me. That's awesome. So... So, showing honor. Yeah. yeah, showing honor. You should stand. Psalm 47.1. No, nah, just kidding. It's a joke. Psalm 47.1. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. And so that clapping is a part. And sometimes we look at it just, oh, it's just kind of fun. It just helps us to move with the groove, right? It's a biblical expression that when you clap, it's a part of your worship experience to God. Yeah, you know, worship is a time of celebration. You know, we're applauding God for who he is, for what he's done, and what he's done in our lives. Here's a, here's a fourth biblical expression of worship. We lift our hands. We not just clap, but we lift our hands. Psalm 63, 4 says, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. At least five times in the Psalms, there's an expression made that in worship, we are to lift our hands to the Lord. It's a part of those biblical expressions. Now, it's not something that's mandated. It's not something that you have to do all the time, but we lift our hands to the Lord. This is an interesting one, depending on the, the background that maybe someone comes from, because this may be an expression of worship that you are used to, or it may be one that you're not used to. And it may be a little out of your comfort zone for some people to lift their hands in worship. But the, the good news is, here's maybe the, the safe news, is that it is a biblical expression of worship. And the interesting part is people worship in all kinds of different ways. We'll talk about this a couple of times this morning. I, I had a friend who, who actually was a real mentor in my life, and oftentimes in worship, and I can remember multiple times standing next to him in a service, and when he would, we'd be in, in, in the, at a point of worship, and I'd be there with my, with my hands lifted, and I'd look over, and he'd be standing there like this. And I would think in my, in my youthful um, brilliance, which is code for arrogance, I would, I would sit there and I'd go, how can that guy be worshiping with his arms crossed? Because worship is, is not necessarily a matter of what we see, but what's going on inside our hearts, isn't it? So we gotta be careful that we don't just kind of judge people, but I would encourage you with this. If God has given us a biblical expression of worship, it might be wise for us to, to, to maybe try it. And the interesting part is, I think people worship in a lot of different ways. In fact, it might even be um, kind of a little fun to kind of talk about that maybe for a moment, not to, yeah. not to kind of offend anybody, but maybe take a few people off the hook that it's, it's okay if you worship a little bit differently. Yeah, maybe we'll demonstrate. I, it might not have, be a bad okay. idea. I mean, like, what, cool. what would you have in mind? Well, you know, some people do the elbow flap, you know. This is amazing grace. You can flap That's a feet. part of their worship? Yeah. I've seen yeah. some people that when they, when they lift their hands, I don't know, maybe some people just kind of, they, they, it's like they're carrying a TV. Like, it's like this. It's kind of that expression. If you of go bigger, it's big screen. You can go widescreen. Yeah, yeah, yeah you can go widescreen. Wide yeah, yeah, that's okay. 
You can do that. Some, some of the, if you, if you stick around here in the spring when the walleye are running, some people lift their hands with the, my fish was this big. It's kind of like this. You'll see that one at times. Yeah, I do the hold my baby. The hold my baby? Yeah. Yeah. As your kids get older and you watch more Disney movies, at some point you'll do the Mufasa. It's like this. And uh, it, it, goes to, it goes to that over time. Yeah. Or even the heartburn, you know. Yeah, there's that, there's that. And the one-handed, there's several variations of the one-handed. There's the pointer, there's the hatchet, and there's the teacher, teacher, teacher. Like there's that, it's all in the, it's all in the wrist, yeah. whichever one. I've, I've seen you do uh, village people. The village people? Y- YMCA, you know? No, yeah. no. You're always over there doing that. No, no, okay, all right. Okay. Okay, Tiger, because I've seen you with the eye of the tiger over here doing the Rocky. I've seen that. Guitar here. Guilty. Like this. Guilty. Yeah, I've seen it. The one I'm most familiar with as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan is the touchdown. <laughs> is the one that I've uh, kind of seen. Now, here's the point. Some of you are like, can they say that in church? Can you talk like that? Here's the reality. Many of us, we, we let different expressions of worship kind of... We're just not so sure if it's outside of our comfort zone in all of these different things. Well, they can clap, I'm not clapping. I might just sit. And that's okay if your heart's in the right place. But if God's stirring in your heart to kind of maybe express your worship to him in ways that, that might not necessarily have always been your practice, but do line up with scripture, then I'd encourage you to do this. And this, because scripture mentions it several times, there is something powerful about when we put ourselves in a posture of worship before God. Yeah, you know, it's a demonstration of surrender. You know, whether you're lifting your hands out or raising your hands, you're saying, you know, God, I'm letting everything go. I'm giving it to you. And, I, and also, I'm lifting your name high above anything else. It's powerful. So we lift our hands. Here's a, here's a fifth biblical expression of worship in that we sing. And this may be the one that you go, oh, that's a no-brainer, but it's a part of that expression. Psalm 47, 6 says, sing praises to God, sing praises to our king, sing praises. There's power in when we lift our voices together. Yeah, you know, if you can't sing on pitch, that doesn't matter. Psalm 95 says, let us make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It's about having a joyful heart. What's in your heart, it's about what you're declaring with those words you sing. You know, we multi-track, record the services every week. And one week I was listening back and, you know, I missed everything. I could hear this, like, one voice that was so off pitch. And I was like, who is that? So I'm, like, soloing everything. And finally I noticed that Keith was preaching that week and he had his headset mic on. So we recorded his whole track <laughs> during worship. So I have major blackmail on him, yeah. But it was a joyful noise. It was a joyful noise. No, but he was worshiping with a joyful heart. And that's all that God wants in that moment. He wants your heart. You know, and for some folks, if you, maybe if you're new to Calvary, there's some worship experience that you go, okay, that's, that's not what I'm used to. I come from maybe more of a, a conservative experience. Or for some of you, maybe you come from a more exuberant experience and you, and you wish that it would go kind of to one, one aspect or the other of that, of that uh, what, do you call it? what do you call that? Spectrum, thank you, vocabulary. That's awesome, thank you. Um, <laughs> I might need you again in a minute. Don't go anywhere. So um, one spectrum or the other. And here's the deal. 
different places have different experiences that line up with biblical worship. Think about it even in your home. The practices of your home may be different. Some of you, maybe when you pray over a meal, you may all hold hands and you pray together over that meal. Some of you don't hold hands when you pray over a meal. If you don't hold hands, it's not that your food's not blessed and you're not going to heaven. It's just different, right? And in this house, these are some of the things that we have as common biblical expressions of worship. But no matter what your place is, when we come together and we worship together, we're all welcome in his name, amen? It's a powerful thing. So we worship biblically. A second thing that I think is really important for us to see is that we worship personally. That in our worship, number two, this is how we worship, number two, that we worship personally. Worship is not just what we do on Sunday mornings. It's not just what we do to kind of kick off a service. It's so much more than that. And Pastor John, you, you lead us on Sunday mornings, but I think it would be helpful for us to talk about even how do we bring that worship experience into our personal lives? Yeah. You know, Darlene Sheck, uh, she wrote Shout to the Lord and many other amazing songs. And, you know, she said it amazing. Uh, worship stops the noise of life. Worship directs every fiber of our being heavenward. You know, Sunday morning worship time can't be the only time you worship God. You know, we have music on in our home, pretty much worship music on all the time. You know, my wife plays it a lot for the kids, especially during bedtime. And, you know, I believe that it can really change the atmosphere of your home. You know, especially if you're going through a difficult season. You know, putting on a song like a good father and declaring his love for you and reminding you, you know, through that season that he's still with you. He's still the same. He's still constant, you know. And I think also um, modeling for your kids, worshiping and having that worship music on throughout all seasons. You know, my son Oliver, for a while he was asking, Daddy, can you keep playing that song, Our Father? And he would sing that. And I was like, yeah, we would try to find the song. We had this like long list of songs we would just put on shuffle and play daily. We couldn't find it. And we finally found that it was Spirit Breakout by Kim Walker. Um, so now every day, play that song. That's his worship song. It's awesome, you know, and I'm so happy that I have the responsibility to not only teach him about Jesus and introduce him to Jesus, but also to teach him about worship. So help me, though, because Sundays are easy because we come in and, and we worship together. But if I'm going to have a personal worship time, and I, and I believe in the benefits of what you just said, I don't know, are there any, can you help us at all to, to make the most out of that time? Yeah, you know, I schedule my worship time throughout the week. And I'd highly rec recommend that you do that. <laughs> you know, whether that's just reading the Bible and praying or incorporating worship music into that all at one time or throughout different times throughout the day or the week. Um, I subscribe to a lot of uh, daily devotionals and daily Bible verses that come straight to my email. Uh, you know, and seeing that in, in my inbox first in the morning really helps me remember, hey, you got to stop. Read and pray worship, um, you know, before anything else, and just really set the tone of my day like right. You know, I also schedule several times throughout the week to just sit and worship, just with my guitar and sing. Sometimes I even just put headphones on and just listen to the words or really just, you know, meditate on whatever that worship song is. And, you know, I think headphones really help remove the distractions around you. You know, if, especially like if you're working out, you know, throughout the week or running or in your car, you know, put some worship music on that playlist, you know, just really inhabit the praises of him throughout your daily life, you know. Yeah. Use, use the songs as your prayers, too, I think. 
You know, if you can't find the words to say, find a song that says it for you and print out those lyrics and put them in your Bible. Is it safe to say that worship doesn't have to be just with music? I mean, if there's a way that, that you um, are wired by God to express yourself, maybe it's your hobby, it's your talents, your abilities, it might be for somebody, even anything from art to poetry to, to whatever, is there a way that you can take that expression of yourself, that, that hobby, that skill, and realize that that actually can be used by God as a form of worship back to him? I mean, I, I know you've, I've heard you talk about writing songs. That's probably a part of that internal worship experience that then becomes an external expression. Yeah, you know, I've been a part of a few worship recordings over the years, and a few years ago, um, I had this prayer that I would just sing over my life, um, and uh, a friend of mine heard it, and he was like, hey man, we should turn that into a full song, put that on the record, and uh, I just actually wanted to read it to you. Um, the words were, permeate, O my soul, for you alone are God. Renovate all my thoughts to see things as you see, and the chorus is, Align my heart with your perfect will. Let my passions reflect what stirs your heart. Set my life apart, showing your glory. Then I'm letting go, I will rest in your arms. You know, I believe there's power in the words of our testimonies. And that song was a personal testimony throughout the season that I was in. I wanted to put it out to be a prayer for people if they needed it, to bless them. And I would share your firms, forms of worship you know, with your friends and your family to bless them and inspire them, especially in the times where it might be hard for them to worship. And this, this takes this to a whole other step because worship then isn't just what we do on Sunday mornings. Worship is a lifestyle. That our hearts are, are continually set towards worshiping God. That worship, the idea of giving him glory, of lifting him up, of, of praising him becomes an ongoing part of our lives. Colossians chapter 3.17 says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And I, I think that's even in the way that you, you walk through your days. We were, we were out and about yesterday and I was walking out of this store as this family was coming in. It was a mom and a dad and their son, who's probably about, I don't know, 17, 18 years old, he seemed to be about my height, but as I walked past him, he was all slumped over like this. Now, I don't know his story or anything like that, but he's walking in, I'm walking out, and I heard him just go, this is the worst day ever. <laughs> like that. I'm like, man, dude, what's going on? You know, you're just, just that. and I was like, what's happening, Eeyore, you all right? And for many of us, we, we live our lives that way. We're just kind of, that's the worst day ever. Praise God, you know. That's not worship. Realize this. It's not only a lifestyle, but worship is an act of obedience. Scripture calls us to worship God. That every part of our lives is a part of that. And I would challenge you, even in the hard times, here's what I've come to learn. The times when I don't feel like worshiping God, the times when I don't feel like giving him praise, the time when I don't feel like listening to that music are usually the times when I need to worship him the most. Here's what David said. Look at this. Psalm 34.1. I will extol the Lord at the times that I feel like it. No. What's it say? I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears 
Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called. Do you, do you see the tone of this psalm? Everything's not perfect in this psalm. He's got fears. He's got troubles. This poor man, he calls himself. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. We don't just worship the Lord sometimes. We worship him at all times. We don't just walk around repeating our troubles. Worship calls us to declare the truth about God and declare who he is. That will change your perspective so much and for some of you, th- this, is, this is what you came here for today. Worship brings joy in times of anxiety. Worship brings joy in times of anxiety. Th- this, when, I, when I came across this verse in preparation for this sermon, I thought, man, this right here is worth the price of admission. Okay? I'd never seen this passage before in the times that I've read. It never stuck out to me. Psalm 94, 17. Listen to this. Unless the Lord had given me help, I would soon have dwelt in the silence of death. When I said my foot is slipping, your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. Watch this, verse 19. When anxiety was great within me. Anybody ever been there? When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. When we worship God, when we look to him, we literally allow ourselves to be in a place where we can trade in our anxiety for his joy in the way that it redirects our thoughts, it redirects our focus, it redirects our lives. There is power in worship, and I'm not saying this. I'm not saying that if you just go out and and buy the right song to keep on your phone, and if you play it once, then it's all good. You may have to wear your phone out with that song. But that worship... When we focus on him, we trade our anxiety for his joy. Why, Chad? Why does it work like this? Because worship invites God's presence into our lives. Worship invites God's presence. There's this really kind of obscure story in 2 Kings chapter 3, where three kings, the kings of Israel, Judah, and Edom, are are being attacked by the the army from Moab. And they go out to fight together because they figure they're stronger together, the three of them, to go out against Moab. And when they get out there, they find themselves in a place where they have no water. They have all these soldiers. They have the other army coming against them. And they have no water. And if they don't have water, they're not going to be able to survive. And they're like, what do we do now? Did God just leave us out here? What are we going to do? We're in this situation. We don't know what to do. And somebody says, maybe we should call for a man of God. Let's call for a prophet and have him come and tell us what to do. So they call for Elisha. And Elisha's not crazy about this. In fact, he doesn't like a couple of these kings. He's not really crazy about the idea of what they're doing. And look at what we read here. 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 14. Elisha said, As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not pay any attention to you. He's a nice guy, isn't he? But now, bring me a harpist. What? The kings call him in? He says, you know, I don't like most of you guys, so get me a guitar player. (laughs) Why? Look at the rest of this. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elisha. Do you know what Elisha did? He created an atmosphere of worship. And when he did, it allowed God's word to come. The spirit of the Lord came and gave him the words that he said. There's times when you're perturbed and don't like the people you're around. There's no better time to worship. There's times when you don't know what to do. 
there's no better time to worship. There's times when you need God to bring a miracle, and that's how this story ends. I encourage you to read it, 2 Kings chapter 3. You need God to bring a miracle. Do you know how you put yourself in a place to receive that? Worship. Because when we worship, we invite God's presence to our situation. And music has that power and ability. That's why oftentimes I'll pick up my phone, call Pastor John, and say, get me a guitar player now, you know? (laughs) Why? Because worship invites God's presence. We worship biblically, we worship personally, and then there's something powerful, third thing, about when we worship corporately. Number three, we worship corporately. When we come together in a setting like this, and I was in an event a while back, probably about 8,000 people there, and we all began to sing a song. It It wasn't like a Christian event, so the song that we were singing was not a Christian song, but everybody there all knew the song, and they loved the song. There was like this, you could tell there was this emotion. Everybody was having a great time singing this song, and it was fun. It was cool. 8,000 people singing together, but I realized something. As I'm standing there singing, and I said to myself, something's missing. The Holy Spirit was absent in that moment. It was fun to sing together, but there's something powerful when we worship. And recognize this, without the presence of the Holy Spirit, corporate worship is just a sing-along. When we come together, we're not just karaokeing like you talked about last week. We're inviting God's presence here. So Pastor John, talk to us a little bit about this idea of corporate worship. I mean, oftentimes we, we, you know, we have the lights, we have the music, we have the screens, we have all these different things. Why, why do we go to this effort with your team for these times of worship together? Well, you know, all the lights and the sound and the, you know, the backgrounds behind us you know, are all to create an inviting atmosphere to invite you into worship you know, and, um, and to really enhance the experience. But if we took all that away, we should still be able to worship because it's really just about us and God and us connecting with him. You know, so yeah, just use those as a reminder that those aren't distractions. Don't use them as distractions, but they're there to, you know, just provide imagery in the moment or just really set your heart right. Yeah. So, so like the team typically practices like on Thursday nights and the team does a great job of working, leading us. And uh, so I've always wondered like, how do, how do you pick the songs? Like I keep looking, do you have like a little worship jar that you have all the songs in there and like little yeah, slips they, and you just- They blindfold me and I just- And you just pull like three or four songs yeah. out and then that's Sunday. Throw that one out, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. Now, um, well, we pray over the songs and- Oh, you pray about yeah, it, oh, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, we do that, yeah. Is that cool? Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> um, typically, Keep I it up. <laughs> yeah, typically I arrange a set list, um, starting with like a song of invitation, then a song of declaration, then a song of response, then a song of encounter. Um, sometimes a response and declaration switch around, but you know there won't be any song on this platform that you know me as a worship pastor that I haven't personally worshipped with first. Because no matter what song we sing, I have to ask these questions. You know, number one, is this song theologically correct? Is it biblically sound? You know, can I personally worship with this? Do I believe what the song's saying? Can I declare it? Um, and then will our church be able to relate to it? You know, is, and then is this what our church needs to sing? Or is this a song that I should just keep in my personal worship time? And there's a lot of songs that I won't ever do because of that. Um, you know, that song, No Longer Slaves, that we've been singing lately, you know, that song has had such a huge impact in my life the last year and a half. It's just an amazing reminder that we're children of God. We're not a slave to our sin, our fears, or whatever, that he's got us. You know, and I just knew 
after worshiping with it, you know, on my own a few times, it would be great corporately. Um, I wanted to share, um, you know, the bridge is my favorite part of the song. It's just so amazing. Uh, the songwriter of the song, uh, John, Jonathan Helser, was saying when he was writing the bridge, the lyrics came to him when he was thinking about how God parted the Red Sea and the Israelites walked right through it and they left their slavery. Let's read those lyrics, actually. Um, it says, you split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears were drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am a child of God. You know, when we sing a song like that, we declare we're no longer slaves to fear, whatever that thing is for you that you're struggling with, I think we have to remind ourselves that that doesn't mean that we're not gonna necessarily struggle with that still or won't be tempted by it. You know, Jeremy Riddle says it's great. You know, when we sing that song, we're no longer slaves to fear, that doesn't mean we're emotionless now or never face fear, but it just means we don't have to obey it now. We can declare the victory we have in Christ over that. You know, there's something powerful about songs when you think about it. Like there are, there are songs that I attach to, to certain memories in my life. Isn't that true? I think that's why oldies radio stations are always popular. Because there's songs that take you back to different seasons. And I think that that oldies phenomenon is only a reflection of, of a real spiritual truth. Like I have songs in my life that, that have become hooks that I hang experiences on. And you notice that anytime that we sing certain songs like How Great Thou Art or It Is Well With My Soul, corporately, there's something that we come to those songs. Does anyone remember a song called Because He Lives by the Gaithers? Do you remember that song? Like that's a hook in my life. I can take you back to a point where that song just ministered to me in a way. The song Hosanna by Hillsong. There's a time about five, six years ago where I was at a point of real desperation and that song did something in my life. So there's, there's something powerful about the songs that we've known that we remember when we sing them corporately together. But then there's also something interesting in scripture about the power of a new song. I think Psalm 98.1 says, sing to the Lord a new song for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. In fact, five times in the Psalms, we are encouraged to sing a new song to the Lord because I think oftentimes God gives us a new song for a new season. And that's a, that's a powerful thing. Yeah, you know, I think it'd be pretty boring to hear the same sermon over and over every single week. Kind of depends on who the preacher is, yeah, don't you think? Well, maybe that one a couple weeks ago wasn't, wasn't that bad. We could repeat that. No, but, you know, Pastor Better Chad, bring me a guitarist. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, I'm a little perturbed right now. Yeah. Um, Pastor Chad works really hard every week to find new ways to use Scripture to apply it to our life. You know, and like you said, songs are great for different seasons. And there's a lot of awesome new songs that are capturing the heart of God today, especially the, what we need to sing as the church today and the world we live in. And I'd also encourage you to, you know, we put the set list um, each week on Facebook. You know, look up those songs, you know, download them, YouTube them, whatever. You know, use them throughout your week as your personal worship time. And it may be time for some of us, I know these are seasons that are true in my life, where I need to say, God, would you give me a new song for a new season? Or I feel like I'm going through a season where I need, I need something, I need a hook to hang this on. And say, God, would you give me a new song for a new season? What do you what do, you do though, if there's a song that you sing in a, in a corporate worship setting here or wherever that might be, and you struggle to relate to that? Yeah. Well, we try to pick songs that are obviously easy to understand and relate to. 
Um, but a lot of powerful songs we do have, you know, beautiful imagery in them that might not always connect with everyone right away. You know, so I would just encourage you in the moment, if you're confused by the lyrics or whatever, you know, just take a second, turn your focus back to him, thank God for who he is. You know, don't just stand there and wait till the next song starts. You know, don't miss a moment that you could encounter God. But maybe ask him to reveal the meaning of the song to you or what he's trying to show you through the song. Or even just sing out your own song during that time, whatever you need to sing. You know, there's a song we do um, called Everbe. It just has amazing, you know, imagery of just his love and his commitment to us. It says, your love is devoted like a ring of solid gold, like a vow that is tested, like a covenant of old. Your love is enduring through the winter rain and beyond the horizon with mercy for today. Faithful you have been, faithful you will be. You pledge yourself to me, and it's why I sing, your praise will ever be on my lips. That's that's why this whole thing is so important. Corporate worship is so powerful because when we worship God together, it unites our hearts and prepares us to hear God's word. So worship unites our hearts and in these moments prepares us to hear God's word. And it's a, it's a powerful thing. And I think it's, it's important for us then to, to place some priority on that, whether it be in our schedule personally or corporately. And then I think, and th- this is for me, one of the temptations that I have, when I come into a corporate worship setting, I'm prone to, yeah, I'm worshiping, but I'm also looking at you, checking things out, looking at the team. Sometimes I'm even kind of trying to figure out what's going on around here. When, when Ron and I were in Bible college, the president at Central Bible College was uh, Dr. Maurice Lednicki. I remember Dr. Lednicki would often use this phrase in our chapel services. He would say, when you come into this room and worship, you will either worship or you will be critical of those who do. You will either worship or be critical of those who do. And man, has that stuck with me. It's such a true principle that in that moment I have to choose Am I going to be worshiping or am I going to be criticizing? Because that will make all the difference. Here's why. Never underestimate the power of worship. Never underestimate the power of worship. It has tremendous power to affect our lives. I mean, we already talked about King Jehoshaphat once. If you go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, there's this story of, uh, again, where there was an army that was coming against them. They were completely overpowered. Now, I'll leave it to you to go back and read the story, but when they, the army went out, here's what he did first. Before he sent out the army, he sent out um, the choir. There's a whole group that went ahead of him to praise and worship before the army ever went out there. And what's interesting, even though they were overpowered, by the time they got to where the enemy was, as they worshiped, God set up ambushes so that the enemy began to fight against itself instead of fighting against God's people. And by the time God's people got to where the enemy was, the enemy was already dead because worship had gone out. There's sometimes when worship will do more than you're fighting. And here's the key. You find victory when you worship. And some of you have been fighting this battle over and over and over again. And maybe instead of just fighting it on your own, it's time to say, God, I I put you in charge of this battle. I worship you, God, because we find victory when we worship. There's this cool story in Acts chapter 16 where Paul and Silas are in prison. And they're there and it says this, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Kind of sounds like personal worship, doesn't it? Hey, Paul, what you doing for the next who knows how long? I'm just kind of tied up here in prison. You got a plan? Why don't we worship? 
all right, let's do it. And so they begin this time of personal worship and suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Here's why. We not only find victory when we worship, but we find freedom when we worship. And some of you have been held captive by fear or the past or by your doubts. And now is the time for you to say, look, I'm breaking free of that. How does it start? It begins when we worship. So can I ask you to stand right where you are, if you would, please? And my hope is this, that if I were to ask you the question, hey, when are you going to worship? You wouldn't say next Sunday. <laughs> but you would already beginning, be beginning to think this week, I'm going to build this into my life, my drive. I'm going to schedule this time when I know I can be free from distraction. God, I'm going to begin to implement worship into my heart. And it's not about the song and it's not about the leader and it's not about the music. It's about our hearts and turning them towards the one that we should really worship. Amen? So would you do this? If you're comfortable, would you lift your hands with me? Can we just look to him this morning? Make him the heart of your worship. We thank you, God. We praise you, Lord. I'll bring you more than a song Than a song in itself is not what you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart And I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself is not what you have required And I'll search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart See, I'm coming back and I'm coming back to the heart of worship It's all about you all about you, Jesus. And I'm sorry, love, for the thing I made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you. Sing that again. And I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Cause it's all about you. It's all about you. I'm sorry, Lord, the thing I made When it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus So I'm going to invite you to look at your heart If you just maybe close your eyes in this moment of worship And look at your own heart Look, we talked about a lot of practical elements of worship today Why? because we don't want you to ever underestimate the power of a, of a heart of worship. So I'd ask this, maybe some of you would say, I need, I need joy to come into those places where I have anxiety. Scripture says that when we worship him, he, he, he trades our anxiety for joy. And if that's you and you say, I need that today, would you just raise your hand? God, I need you to trade my anxiety for joy. Wow, yeah. Maybe there's, maybe there's some of you that are here today and you'd say, God, what I need in my life is victory. 
I feel like I'm fighting against something, fighting against something, and I'm not experiencing any victory. God, I need you to bring the victory, so I'm going to worship ahead of that. If you need victory, would you just raise your hand where you are? God, I need victory in my life. And maybe some of you, what you need, we just talked about, is freedom. I don't know what it is. It might be an addiction. It might be a fear. It might be your past might be your pain but it's kind of kept you in chains of some kind and God says that when we worship he can bring us freedom in our lives if you need freedom would you just raise your hand say God I need freedom in my life man I've seen hands up all over so in these next few moments we're going to declare his greatness we're going to declare who he is that he is our life that he brings us love that he gives light to our darkness and as we worship him if you need peace if you need joy if you need victory if you need to find that freedom would you worship him and let his spirit bring that to your life today we praise you god thank you lord
Father, this week, whether in word or deed, may the breath in our lungs sing out praise to you. God, may we worship you in all that we do. And as we worship you biblically, as we've worshiped you corporately, and God, as we, as we instill these truths into our personal daily lives, God, may you be glorified. And as a result, may we know your joy and your victory and your freedom. Lord, help us to be people who worship you. Now, as we go from here, we ask that you'd go with us. Father, would you send us out with your special favor and your wonderful peace? In Jesus' name, amen.